0: This is where they make
1: their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave and this momentum. Again.
0: Hello and welcome to our Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams here as always alongside former Golfer soccer star Kindra D. St. Aubin. Lots coming your way on this podcast. A little later on, we have a treat for you. We'll be joined by US Soccer Hall of Famer Tony Miola, who of course is the current Chicago Fire TV analyst to help us preview the next opponents for Minnesota United, Chicago Fire. First though, Kindra, uh, hello. It's been a while since we last saw each other. Um, I think it's safe to say this... this This week, once again, has been a bit strange, a bit odd. Kansas City game was cancelled for Minnesota United due to another positive test of COVID-19. We'll get to that here shortly. First, though, um, it seems like it's an eternity ago, but it was only last week that Minnesota just about beat Colorado Rapids. Um, If you can, cast your mind back to that game and, and what you took from that particular 90 minutes.
1: Well, I think, first of all, you know, even before we jumped on this and we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about today, and you said Colorado. I mean, I had to do a triple take because it does. It feels like it's been an eternity since that game happened. And, you know, tis the nature of 2020 and how this uh, MLS season has gone for us as broadcasters and, of course, the players and the teams as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to even go back and think about what happened in that Colorado Rapids game and how Minnesota United ends up with a victory and with the three points at the end. And I think like a lot of games we've seen this season, I don't think Adrian Heath seemed you know, real pleased after the match. Of course you're pleased with the result and that you get the points and it's an own goal, you know, in the dying moments of the match um, by Lala Sabubakar. But ultimately I don't think he was real pleased with how his team came out and performed in that game. And you just don't want that to become a trend. It's one thing if you have a game off here or a game off there, you're just not quite right. You're just not clicking. They know, we know they've had some injuries, they've had some issues, But ultimately, I think Adrian Heath wants to go into the postseason in the best form possible with a bit of momentum. And he wants to feel good about the form of his club as he has that direction. And I'm not sure that Colorado game did that. And then you have a stoppage with the Kansas City game um, with the positive test and not traveling to Kansas City. And you could say, you know, is that a positive or a negative? You know, that's that's a tough Tough one because you want to go in and form and you want to correct things. But we also know Minnesota United missing some players. You want to deal with the health and safety of the players and dealing with some injuries as well. So, again, you get the three points from the Colorado match. It was not the prettiest of soccer games. Um, You get the own goal late. And uh, quite honestly, Colorado looked a lot better than I was expecting considering the layoff that they had had. And they'd only had one match back where they got thumped by Sporting Kansas City.
0: You mentioned it briefly. I do want to talk about the fact that Minnesota United are now officially in the playoffs. We'll talk all about this new points-per-game system as well, which the the league have now adopted uh, for various different reasons. First of all, though, Kindra, let me ask you this. I'll put a positive spin on, on what was... Um, I thought a, a poor performance from Minnesota United. Adrian Heath essentially admitted that himself. But at the end of the day, they got the win. Is it a good sign that Minnesota United not necessarily playing as well as they can do, yet they're still claiming victories? Because they did the same in Cincinnati as well.
1: You know, and I think that's normally that would be a positive, is that you're not playing your best and you're still getting the results. But I think if I'm Adrian Heath, and this is at least how I view it, is at some point that's got to change. You can't keep relying on that, okay? Maybe a one-off here, a game there, the FC Cincinnati game, maybe another time where Minnesota United does not play the best, isn't the better team on the night even perhaps, but comes away with the three points. But once it starts to become – a little more reoccurring, a little more of a trend. That's when, as a coach, as a manager, I would be a little bit more worried about what my team is looking like going into the postseason. You and I have talked a lot about momentum, and it's not how you start, but it's how you finish the season. And you want to go into the postseason on a positive note, and on a good feeling, and on a good high, and a couple of good performances. And so, if I'm Adrian, that's the only thing that would be concerning to me is is this starting to become a trend in the wrong direction at the wrong time? And how do we snap out of it before the postseason is going to be here before we know it, especially now that Minnesota has officially clinched
0: the own goal from Lalas Abubakar to win it for Minnesota. And perhaps a moment he won't look back on too fondly. Um, not his finest moments on a football field, it's safe to say. Um, but, Is there something to be said here, Kendra, the fact that, that, yes, Colorado were always, that they were never going to be as sharp as as they would be had they have played the previous weeks like the majority of of the league had. But I also heard Robin Frazier say that, actually, it it gave them quite a nice lift because it gave players some time off. And there was an urgency and a want and a need because they'd had some time off. Whereas the rest of the league now, it's almost like they are in the middle of this slog and it continues to feel like that. So it's no surprise, really, that Colorado came in as positively as they did. And let's not forget as well, since we last played Colorado, they've only gone and beaten Seattle Sounders as well.
1: And this is where I think that you could be absolutely right. I mean, and Adrian had said this to us as well. I mean, could Colorado, in a sense, be better off in it from a standpoint because they are fresher? right? They haven't had to deal with the slog of the, the season and the last four or five weeks that they were at home, or is that a negative because they haven't even been able to train? And so I think we're in this weird position in 2020 where honestly, there is no good answer. There is no good scenario. You don't want to have to be an MLS team that has been playing every week, twice a week, all those things um, and, and you know with the limited travel but flying in and out on the day of and all that kind of stuff that's a that's a tough task that's been a challenge that's been physically mentally emotionally taxing on these players. but at the same time, if you're a team that's literally not been able to even get together train together, you know have sessions together, not even go maybe into the training table you know to get treatment for four or five weeks, that in and of itself is a challenge and we heard Adrian say that. The last time a game got canceled for Minnesota United, he's like, look, we've seen the guys one time in two weeks. I wasn't expecting them to look sharp when we came back out. And I think for Colorado, that's what we saw against Sporting Kansas City. We saw that. We saw the lack of sharpness, the the maybe just the adrenaline pumping for getting back on the pitch, but sloppy play, Sporting Kansas City capitalized. They had two or three days to kind of right that ship, get themselves together, Get a hold of their, you know, get their wits about them and then try to come to Minnesota and get a result and get a point. And they were unsuccessful, barely. Um, So I think, honestly, there isn't a, a good answer there. I think both situations that teams are having to go through, whether you're a team like Colorado or your team that's played every single match that's been available to you, everything presents its challenges in 2020. And hopefully my hope is that it just kind of balances itself out with the teams that have had to go through different things. And it becomes a level playing field. Once you get into the postseason.
0: because of this new adopted system that the league have gone for the, the points per game PPG is, is, is the abbreviation. And um, this now presents Colorado with a real opportunity to be involved in the postseason. I think they only, um, Really need to have a positive result in in their last game, and and they should be okay. I know they very nearly got in over the weekend as well. Um, had RSL have gotten themselves a, a late goal against the Galaxy, the Rapids would have officially been into the postseason. Um, let me ask you this, Kindra. Apologies to put you on the spot here. Is this fair?
1: You know, I heard a good quote this morning, and it was. You know, because people are going to throw their arms up and say, "Is this fair?" and the, the answer was "Life isn't fair. Think of a better way how what is a better way to do this right now and that's right. you know and I think you and I have talked about this before too. neither of us envy the decision makers around the league and the people within the league and Don Garber and company that have had to make difficult choices whether it was the bubble whether it was Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver having to stay across the border whether it was regionally playing teams that are you know creating almost new rivalries and some of them including eastern conference you know i i mean i i i personally don't think it's fair i don't think that's the way it should have been done and colorado has been through a lot but we don't know how much was their their own doing quote own doing as far as being safe and healthy and um, following the the rules or the guidelines um, for distancing and, and keeping each other safe or how much it's just incidental. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's tough to say a, a team that has played a handful of less games, quite possibly five less games than everybody else, who, else who's had to slog through this. I think, you know, if someone misses out on the playoffs, they're going to have a, a major argument. They're going to have a bone to pick with Don Garber and the league and, and rightfully so. But I don't know what the fair answer is right now. Then what? You just – you 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 cancel Colorado Rapids out completely and just say they're ixnayed from any possibility of the postseason because they can't make up the games? That, to me, would have been the only other alternative. And I don't know if that's fair either. So there is nothing fair about 2020. And unfortunately, that's just the way it's going to have to be. And this is the way we're going to have to move forward. And I'm sure if we were sitting – at or near or slightly below the playoff line. And we were having this conversation about Minnesota United. There'd be plenty of people within our club that would be fired up about it. And rightfully so, but it is what it is at this point. I told you, I'm going to print a t-shirt and make a lot of money. It is what it is. That's, that's 2020 and it's not fair, but that's the best of the worst options for major league soccer and uh, going forward with the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I had heard over the last few days, unsurprisingly, the Vancouver Whitecaps are not happy because of this PPG um, system and the way it's been done. uh, They now fall out of the playoffs and it'll be very interesting to see if they make up the numbers and get themselves back in. No doubt there's some blame on their part as well because you simply have to win the games prior to this to get into the position you want to be in. But um, there is an element of this could be a little bit nasty, couldn't it, at some stage?
1: What do you think the percentages of people in MLS that are wishing that and hoping and praying that Colorado doesn't make the playoffs?
0: 101%. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would actually, I feel like Vancouver, even if they still didn't get in, they would feel better as long as Colorado didn't get um, in.
0: <laughs> yes. No, I heard that. We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, talking of, of issues, um, obviously COVID-19 has riddled with the season, um, not only for Major League Soccer, but but really for Colorado Rapids more than anybody. But now, Minnesota United certainly brought up in that conversation, Kay, because we were due to play Kansas City on Sunday. We got notification the day before that the the game was going to be cancelled, which is a shame. But ultimately, uh, in this precise moment, it feels like it was the right decision. Because ultimately, again, Kendra, what we've got to continue to remember is that safety has to remain absolutely paramount.
1: It does. I mean, and I think that is on the minds of everybody um, at this point in this not just the season, but in life in general, is that the number one priority for everybody has to be safety. And whatever that means within your own life, your own circle, your own club, um, your own league, for that matter, it can look different depending on where you're at. But I do think that ultimately, and I don't know what the conversations were like with, with Peter Vermees in Sporting Kansas City, whether, you know, how important they felt this game was, where they can move up on the table. They're sitting at 1.8 in the points per game and in, in second place, So we know that they have a chance to still finish in first place in the league. So some of these teams that have already clinched, it's more just about their positioning down the stretch and, and kind of the, again, going in on that high note. And Kansas City had a couple games canceled against Colorado. So this is, some of it is just about finding your form and getting in a rhythm. And I think the current situation, it makes it very difficult for teams. And if Kansas City had an argument to play the game, that was probably it. That was probably Peter Vermees saying, look, I'm trying to get my guys ready for this end stretch here. We need games. We need guys fit. We need guys healthy. Um, But at the same time, if you're Adrian Heath and you're Quite honestly, Major League Soccer, you're thinking about the bigger picture here and trying to keep people healthy. Because to be fair, you know, now you've had Kansas City, SC Dallas, and Chicago. So, three games for Minnesota United that have been postponed. One rescheduled uh, for Wednesday night, as we know. But the other two, I mean, can't imagine they're going to end up on the docket anywhere. We got decision day on Sunday. So, they're a done deal.
0: With the cancellation of that game against Sporting Kansas City, Kindred, from a player's perspective now, What are the positives and what are the negatives of that happening?
1: Honestly, I don't see any negatives. I mean, in the sense that you've already clinched a playoff spot, you sit in the four seed from that perspective, and that's home field advantage. So if you're purely looking at a soccer standpoint, this is all positives in the sense that you're going to get some time off. You're going to get some guys healthy. Um, Ozzy Alonso took a knock, Hassani Dotson's trying to come back from health, you know, from back to health, back to form and the craziness and rigorousness of this schedule and the season, the way it's gone, you have to try to spin it in a positive light. It's the only way you can kind of make it through what has been a crazy 2020 is try to look at the positive situations from everything. And, you know, you never, as a competitor, you never want to miss a game. I don't think there's anybody on the club or on the team that's sitting at home going, Oh yes, let's cancel this game. I mean, who wants to go and play another game, especially against your rival in sporting Kansas city, you know, and you know, it's going to be a good team and a great game. These guys are all competitors. They want to be out there. Adrian Heath wants to be out there, but ultimately this was the right decision. And I do think that in this long haul, it will actually end up benefiting Minnesota United because of the tight crunch, the tight turnaround, and honestly, the lack of roster um, with the injuries and with the issues with coronavirus.
0: Yeah, I was just about to to get to the, as you said, lack of roster. Um, no doubt Minnesota United um, would have been thankful not to have to go to Kansas City from from that point of view, because the roster now is perhaps about as short as it ever has been, um, with the likes of Asani Dotson, Ozzy Alonso, and, and now Ja'Cory Hayes unavailable as well we, we keep hearing there's a couple of little niggles to to other players as well and we'll have to see if, if they're available for the game on wednesday um so with that in mind kindra the transfer window was still open and it was clear that minnesota needed a few bodies for the remaining parts of the season um so they went and got three players from reno in usl sam gleedle an english fullback slash wide midfielder kevin partida an American central midfielder. Um, I'm told he can play in the eight or the six role. And uh, the supremely well-named Foster Langsdorff, also uh, coming into Minnesota United, who has scored a lot of goals at USL level. We'll get into them individually a little later on. But first of all, your, your immediate reaction to these signings it was exactly what Minnesota United really needed.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is about just getting some quality depth. Um, and some players that have professional experience and the ability to bring them in on the final day of the transfer window and you're not having to deal with international rules and um, bringing someone in and quarantining. And, and, you know, you can't can't bring people in on trial right now. So you're kind of, your hands are tied from a club as well. You have to sign these guys to some extent because you cannot bring players in on trial because of the coronavirus and the quarantining situation. So this was the best thing that Minnesota United and Mark Watson and Adrian Heath and company could do to bring some depth into this club that could step right in, you know, they're fit, their seasons just wrapped up, they are ready to go. And and quite honestly, they've been really successful in their own right in the current league and with the teams that they play with. I know you joke about Foster Langsdorf, if that doesn't sound like a Stanford kid's name, he played with Ty Thompson at Stanford. And so I am familiar with him. But um, I think Adrian spoke very highly of all three of these players. He was excited about getting them in, seeing what they could do, and just having the option of more bodies that are going to be fit and healthy and ready to play because you don't have time to get these guys game fit. You don't have time to deal with international visas and whatnot. So this is just good quality depth, guys that can come right in and contribute, if not to games, to training. I mean, you're short on bodies for training too once they can get back into group training.
0: So let's – Break them down individually, shall we, in the last five minutes or so of this segment. And Sam Gleedle, as we mentioned, is uh, uh, an English fullback slash wide midfielder. Left-footed, I believe, but can also play on the opposing flank. Um, this gives Minnesota United and Adrian Heath plenty to work with moving forward.
1: Well, this goes back to the quality of depth. And yes, that he's left footed. He can play left back, left wing back, whatever you want to call it, but also play on the right hand side. And we've seen even with a player like Robin, when sometimes, or like, like, you know, um, Johnny Russell, you know, all these guys that are on the right hand side, but can cut in and, and use their left foot and be dangerous. So to me, he's fast, he's quick. He has the ability to get up and down and it's about depth on the right hand side. What if Roma Metzineer goes down? I mean, there's not a lot of options there, especially right now when you don't have Sonny Dotson. You're going to have to move around that back line, which they've already done with the absence of Chase Gasper and putting DeBassy out there, and Boxel comes, you know, is in the mix, and then Jose Aha. So I just think on the outside back position is where they've needed depth, and Gleedle does that. And then Langsdorf, we talked about it. He's a striker. He's a goal scorer. A third-choice striker is how he's been described to us. So just another option up there, more depth, more quality. Or if you go with the two striker system and one of the other guys you know, isn't available in a Kai Kamara or an Aaron Schoenfeld, you can put Lang- Langsdorf in there, and I think he'll be a competitive young player that is going to push the issue with the older veteran guys. And then last but not least, Partida. Partita supposedly one of the best players, most favorite players in the league, in his position that the coaching staff just loves him and what he's been able to do. Not necessarily Minnesota United clearly they like him, but where he came from, they love him in the league. He's one of the best players in the league, been phenomenal. He's had two ACLs can fight through anything comes back competitive. So again, this is just more quality depth for this team. And I think guys that are going to be hungry to prove that they belong at MLS level and not in USL and not with some of the other teams. So I think this is a good a good spot for Minnesota United.
0: Yeah, Partida at one stage was on the San Jose Earthquakes roster as well. So they had the chance to sign him, but opted not to. And I believe Foster Langsdorf at one stage um, was eligible to sign for DC United, but they opted not to do that as well. Hence why Minnesota very late on on deadline day were able to get these deals done Um, And with all the injuries in the center of midfield, Kindred, as well, one would assume that Partida may very well get a little more playing time than the other two.
1: Well, I think it's going to be one of those things, and I'm sure the coaching staff is having the conversation that you need to be ready to go. You know, get yourself up to speed, communicate with your teammates, the players around you, hopefully Jan Gregus is when they can get together, if they are together, sharing information with the injury to Ozzy Alonso, with Sonny Dotson out, with Ja'Cory Hayes out. All of a sudden, we had all this depth in that holding midfield, central midfield role, and that's, that's changed very quickly. So Jan Gregorius, if it's Kevin Molino, whoever's sitting in front, Ronoso, get on the same page with these guys and study some film and watch their movements because, yes, I think Partida is definitely one of those players that could be called, called upon with knowing the injuries going forward for Minnesota United here down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and um, obviously Jan Gregor will be off on international duty. Right. In, uh, in not-too-distant future as well, um, Slovakia having uh, a big game against Northern Ireland for essentially a place in Euro 2020, which is obviously moved to 2021. Um, finally then, Kindra, um, Foster Langsdorff. Um, I was told the other day that actually he was thinking about retiring from the game full stop and was actually convinced otherwise by Adrian Heath a few days ago. Um, he's somebody who has an eye for goal. He's known very well by the assistant coach for Minnesota, Sean McCauley, because Langsdorf, at one stage was on a full contract at Portland Timbers 2, where McCauley was for uh, a good six years. I believe in, in one season, he got over 21 goals as well. So he's obviously got an eye for goal, and it's not like he won't be lacking service at Minnesota either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, with a player like Foster Langsdorf, and we've seen this with a couple other players that have come through the league, you know, they come out of college and they have all these aspirations and these goals and these, um, you know, in these visions of themselves playing at the next level. That's all they've probably ever dreamed of as a child going, growing up and going through college. And then all of a sudden you get in a position where, wow, this isn't as easy as I thought. And as the international game Continues to grow over in the United States with the league. I think it gets harder and harder for some of these American players to step foot and make their way. And they decide, you know what, I'm going to fall back on my degree, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, good for him that he's keeping that dream alive a little bit more. And then he's got players that, or coaches, I should say, that believe in him and that know what his strengths are that can talk to him and say, this is how we want to use you. This is how you can benefit from our system. And this is how we will benefit from you being on the field. And having a McCauley there. familiar is going to help all the more. And then Adrian Heath knowing like what kind of value a young set of fresh legs that can come into this roster, into this lineup when we know Kai Kamara and Aaron Schoenfeld cannot play every minute of every game down the stretch. So this could be a huge opportunity for Langsdorf because some of the other rosters that he's come into, he wasn't even third choice, you know, clearly why he was on USL. And now he has a real chance to bust into this thing and make a name for himself and make a mark on the game. So. Hopefully he doesn't. He lights the world on fire and he gives himself another opportunity at the professional level and doesn't give up on the dream quite yet.
0: Perfectly described by Adrian when we last spoke to him when he was speaking about all three of these players. It's low risk, high reward, because they're all contracted to the end of the season. The club has the option to extend moving into twenty twenty one. Okay. Um intriguing stuff as always, Kindra. Let's take a short break. Next up it's all about the opponent's Chicago fire with Tony Miola. While team sports may be sidelined right now, team spirit is going strong. Alina Health and Minnesota United have teamed up to support the frontline caregivers at Alina Health. Learn how you can help by visiting alinahealth.org forward slash caring for caregivers. And a very warm welcome back to our Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Albin. As always today, Kendra, we are joined by US Soccer Royalty, US Soccer Hall of Famer, Tony Miola joins us. Of course, Tony Miola had a fabulous footballing career and is now the TV analyst for Chicago Fire, so the perfect guest to help us preview the forthcoming game for Minnesota United against Chicago Fire. Tony, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Before we get into things... How are you? 2020 has been obviously full of objects.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an odd year for everybody, right? You guys know going through this and, and never knowing what your schedule is, going to games and potentially having to come back. And of course, this happened. Uh, I was in Chicago. We were playing in Minnesota. Um, I was on my way to the stadium. We had to turn back. You guys know the deal. I, I suppose, I suppose we're ju- we just need to be ready for everything. Right. You just got to be on your toes and hope everybody's safe and uh, enjoy watching you guys on a weekly basis. You guys do a great job. So I'm excited to uh, spend a couple minutes.
0: Wonderful. We really appreciate you spending those few minutes as well. So talk to us about Chicago Fire then and how they look under Raphael Wiki. I know, as we've already mentioned, it's been an unprecedented year. How have Chicago Fire been able to deal with 2020?
2: Well, uh, obviously, they're battling to get into the playoffs right now in the Eastern Conference. I think um, Rafa Wiki knew from the start this was going to be a difficult task at the beginning of the season. They brought 17 new players uh, to this team and and some really important pieces to the puzzle. Um, and he didn't have a lot of those players. He didn't have the majority of those players until about a week before the season because a lot of them were international players. Of course, you know how that goes. Uh, but I think they've settled him pretty good. The, the The big thing early on was he wanted a team that was flexible. So I'll give you some notes here uh, from from the first two games of the season. He was a four three three guy. And Then he said at MLS back we need to be um, we need to understand different systems. And and he went to a three five two through MLS's back. And then since coming out of MLS's back, it's been a straight four two three one. And I think this particular. Um, this particular formation suits this team best. And the the reason I say that obviously when you know about back fours and back threes, you can kind of always mix those, right, with different personalities and different skill sets of players. But I think it's the two guys in the midfield, Gastón Jimenez and Alvaro Madron, who really are the heartbeat of this team and those two together have developed what I think is one of the better partnerships in major league soccer. It's, it's close to the top. Um, And then early on, it was difficult for them to find goals that they just, there was a point in the season. I think it was uh, just before the Orlando game, which was probably about uh, eight games ago or so. So, you know, you're talking about two thirds of the way into the season where they had created the third most, Chances in the league and they were in the bottom third in the league in scoring. They just couldn't find the back of the net. But Robert Barrett has gotten himself hot. Um, he's a good scorer. He's a what, what we would call, I suppose, a typical target guy. Um, and and I, I saw Rafa Wicky's comments. You know, it's always tough when you're at the bottom of the playoff picture and you're trying to convince people that there's growth. Right. But I, I certainly see growth throughout the season because this is a team that has a very good understanding of themselves. And, uh, but with, ha- with having said that, you, you know, in those moments, uh, you have to find ways to win games and they haven't been able to do that on the road.
1: Well, and Tony, you talk about, you know, him changing systems, Rafi Wiki, Rafi Wiki changing systems. What about this group has sort of allowed him to do that? What are they just buying into everything he's pitching to them? Are they understanding his philosophy? What is it about him as a coach that is allowing the team to kind of buy into that?
2: Well, I, I think the most important thing it, you as a manager, and look, I, I fell into this when I was in Jacksonville, right? When you start not getting results, you start chasing it. And one thing Rafa Wiki hasn't done, he hasn't chased it, right? It's been a four, two, three, one. He's allowed uh, players to, to learn each other there. The big change came, um, you know, four or five games ago, when he put Fabian Herbers into the number 10 role, which he was a, a wide player, which allowed, so it helped Fabian Herbers, but it, it helped more Ignacio Aliceta, who's who's really a 1v1 player, right? He's been playing out wide left uh, quite a bit uh, of late, and it's been Mihailovic in at number 10. There's been some rotation there, but I think the change suited Aliceta, who's a young player who likes to take chances, who is going to... Kind of always live on the edge of of the attack rather than having to track back and defend all the time. He's he's one of those players, one that you maybe sacrifice a little bit in, in understand in understanding that we might lose something defensively, but we gain something on the attacking side of things and breaking down teams. Uh, the the problem there, there really haven't been the, the goals haven't really come for him, but he's been he's been part of so many dangerous attacks. Uh, in the last six or seven games of the season. Um, so it's And then the other change for him uh, has been at left back. So Jonathan Bornstein, as you guys know, is a veteran of this league, 35 or 36 years old now. Um, he started as the left back. Miguel Navarro comes in and does a great job at left back, but also has uh, a, it has the ability to play in an attacking role as well. So in that that left side for Aliceta sometimes. So he's rotated that position a little bit. Um, Navarro went to the national team and didn't play uh, for Venezuela in the last uh, set of games um, and and came back, and Jonathan Bornstein had played well, so he played a few games. Navarro got to start the last game, so it's been sort of a rotating position there, but for the most part, it's been a pretty consistent lineup.
0: Tony, you mentioned the center of midfield a little earlier on. I'm a big, big fan of what we've seen so far from Alvaro Madran. You don't play for the likes of Real Madrid and Valencia, no reason he's very very easy on the eye why is he so key to how the fire play
2: (laughs) it's funny i i say that yeah i'm glad you used that term i say all the time he's very easy to watch very easy on the ball he's smooth i i would think that there's not a team in the league that has two guys in the midfield that have as as good a a change of of play ball uh, I mean, these two guys can both ping a ball 60 yards, both feet. And Madron sometimes makes passes that that he, he almost looks – I hate to use it like he's not trying, but he, he looks like he's not trying, right? And, and sometimes people get mad at that, right? Uh, but it's so smooth. And he he was stuck in this position during – Uh, the last come the bowl international window because Jimenez was playing with Paraguay who had made the one-time switch from Argentina. And then he goes and scores a goal. And, but Madron was, was almost stuck in more of a number six. So of the two, Madron is the one that will get forward a little bit more and play more in the attacking third of the field where Jimenez is that guy that breaks things up uh, defensively. And, they they've just developed a good partnership. I think if they can keep these two guys around for a couple of years, it's a really, really nice partnership between the two of them. Uh, and of course, Robert Barrett, when you have a goal scorer and you guys know up in Minnesota, it's been kind of by committee uh, oftentimes, right with Minnesota and, and making some changes there and some injuries and all of those things have played a factor for everybody throughout the season. But Minnesota uh, Minnesota's a really a really difficult task for the Chicago Fire one because they haven't won a game away. I think there's six losses and four or five draws on the road at the moment and but it also presents a, a pretty good opportunity because as, as you know, you want to play well late in the season and and in this league we've seen teams make runs in the playoffs from from uh you know deeper positions in the table. If you can get any kind of result against Minnesota, I think you go back to Chicago for the last game against NYCFC with some pretty good vibes, if you will, right? If they could ever find some points in Minnesota, I think it'll bode well moving forward for them because I think Minnesota is one of the more talented sides in, in all of the league.
1: You mentioned Robert Barrage right there, and we talk about attacking players and how important a number nine is in this league, and you, we, we put the label on them as, as designated players and things like that with Major League Soccer. Has he lived up to the billing for what was expected even in this 2020 that has been, you know, stop-start for especially for some of these foreign guys?
2: Um, so what are we, 21 games in um, and 10 goals in? You you make the decision, right? Um, you make the decision on a, a, a DP or your center forward. That's pretty much a goal every other game. And I don't think there's been a game where he scored two goals, if I'm not mistaken. I think they've all come in single. So he's been a big part of the scoring for the Chicago Fire. I, I think that he started slow. He actually started quick. He got the goal the first game of the season against Seattle, but then things slowed down a little bit. Um, and there was a period of time where people started to question. But Remember, there were these two formation changes that they were living with as well that he lived through. So this seems to suit him better. Playing in that point striker seems to suit Robert Barrett better. And, of course, I mentioned that the change behind him in the number 10 also opened up things for him. Um, I think he's lived up to it. I think he's got a long future in this league. I think he's the right mentality for this particular group. He's grown into a leader. And I say I say that, and some people say, "Well, you know, you know, guys at the top, they're leaders." When you bring seventeen new guys in and, and make it eighteen, because Tehran came in later in the season, and now it's just gotten a couple minutes. Uh, I forget what game it was; a couple games back, um, it, he he got his first minutes with um, with. I uh, was in the Philly Union game at Philly that they lost two one. You know, so they bring 18 new players. It's hard to establish a leadership. You know, it's not there's not like you didn't build from anything. You didn't have a bunch of guys that were in the locker room. And you're kind of depending on the Jonathan Bornsteins who are are good leaders that have been around for a while in the league to kind of bring everybody together. That takes a little bit of time. And that's that part, you know, wins and losses. You got to win in any league. Right. But the, the part of building personalities, that's not an excuse that just comes over time. Who fits in with what group and who is the, you know, sort of the alpha dog in the locker room, all that stuff takes time. That's, that's not an easy element. It, do, it doesn't happen overnight, but they seem a pretty tight group uh, from what we can gather and they like playing for each other. They like playing for Rafa Wicki. I think he's done a, a nice job with this group under some very difficult circumstances and not a lot of time with the group. So they've got a battle on their hands though, to make it into the playoffs they're, they're, This is going to be a, a close run here for the fire.
0: Yeah, before we focus on that run to the playoffs, that potential run to the playoffs, Tony, let me ask you about somebody who I think has gone under the radar across Major League Soccer. I think if we were having the MLS Rookie of the Year Award, he would certainly be in the conversation. Mauricio Pineda, um, his first year in Major League Soccer, traditionally, to my knowledge, a holding midfielder. And yet he's played a centre-half for every game for Chicago Fire alongside many different center halves this season, he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere near the recognition he deserves. How good is this player? How good can he be in the future?
2: Well, you're absolutely right. He started as a defensive midfielder. Remember, Gastoni Menez didn't play in the first couple games against New England. He came in as a substitute. He wasn't fit, really. He grew into it, and they needed to find a place for Pineda because he was playing well. And he's done a really good job. The the one thing, and I always look at center backs. You know, I'm 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 the first to say on the radio all the time when someone says to me, "Oh, how's the center back?" They say, "Well, oh, he's great with his feet. He builds out great." I well, say, so, "Well, how can he defend?" You know, <laughs> because I still think that's the first responsibility of center back. So his general in in, in intention is to play with the ball at his feet. And he does all of that stuff well because he has played in the midfield. But I think being next to uh, Francisco Calvo, who you guys know, um, and whatever the judgment is on Francisco Calvo's time in Minnesota is one thing, but what it's been here has been a godsend for a guy like Mauricio Pineda, a guy like Navarro next to him, another young player. Uh, For Mauricio Pineda to to sit, the, the one thing he needed to be successful as a center back in a position that really wasn't, wasn't his normal position, if you will, or his first choice position, was to have somebody with experience next to him. You can't have two young guys in that position, and Calvo's offered that to him. Calvo's been really good uh, the entire season for the fire, but I I think Pineda's obviously been the biggest benefactor of having experience uh, uh, to his left, and of course, Shuttleworth has been the guy, you guys know him as well, um, who has come in under a really awkward situation, and, and he's had a really, really good season as well.
1: I was just going to ask you about Bobby Shuttleworth because, I mean, Francisco Calva and Shuttleworth were both, you know, fan favorites and a huge part of Minnesota United, especially in 2017 from the get-go. But Shuttleworth is one of those that, as a lot of goalkeepers are, and you can probably attest to this, just a a vibrant personality, likes to play jokes, play play pranks on people. How has he stepped in from an on-the-pitch standpoint for this team and really stepped up the plate here? And then also, what have you heard of him um, from an off-the-field standpoint since you're not at training?
2: Yeah, I, I I think, and I'd have to go back and really, really look at year in and year out. I think this is the best Bobby Shuttleworth has played. Um, and sometimes it's odd because he came in under an unusual circumstance where he comes in as the second goalkeeper, and then all of a sudden Cronholm gets injured with the season-ending injury, and now you're kind of thrown in there, right? Where your mentality was one thing, and you're not when you're the starter, you're putting a, a, a different type of pressure on yourself. I almost think in a lot of ways, this is help because all of a sudden that you go from like zero to 60 and you don't have time to think. And, you know, my father used to tell me, you know, don't think you're not equipped. He used to tell me all the time. And I sometimes think a goalkeepers just, they don't have time to think and most athletes don't, but I, I joke about goalkeepers and I think that's maybe what happened to him. And And then with all of this, um, and and I don't know his leadership responsibilities in Minnesota or everywhere else he was, but with all of the the changes, I think he's really embraced kind of being a leader. You know, maybe you get a little bit older, um, you get to a new club, you have this sort of new life, uh, this new opportunity, and then you've got all these changes that come in, so the coach is looking at somebody who's been around, who understands the league. And, and, you know, I mentioned Bornstein before and and Shuttleworth is is in that same conversation. I think maybe all of that stuff has helped him uh, along the way. And then you go into your first game, you, you play well, um, even though you lose 3-0 to Col- uh, to Columbus in a game, if you watched in between the, the, the first and the second goal, you thought Chicago's going to win the game 5-1 and then they end up losing 3-0 uh, in the game. But he, you play well and you just grow from that and, and he's done a really good job.
0: Okay, Tony, what about Minnesota United then? How are they viewed from a Chicago 5 point of view?
2: Well, I talked to Adrian Heath uh, at the MLS uh, media days. I, I I don't know. It seems like two years ago, but I think it was in January, or February when we were out there. And, you know, I've known Adrian for a long time. And he told me that this is the best team uh, that he's ever had. And at that time, he was expecting Reynoso to be here in a week or two, you know, it was around the corner. Now you guys heard it more than I did, but of course we had him on our radio show a couple times and Reynoso was always kind of around the corner and coming. And then he finally comes and he's got some guys now, you know, that have really stepped up for him. You you mentioned, I, I, we talked to him right after MLS is back and, or maybe during MLS is back, I should say. And and Schoenfeld was coming in as a substitute and, and scoring goals and creating things for him. And he was so excited about this, this opportunity that that Schoenfeld was giving him to bring off the bench. Now he's asked to be a starter because of certain things. And the whole Dane St. Clair story where he goes away and now he comes back and all of a sudden he's this guy that, that is now dependent on to make big saves. And, there's been so many different storylines for Adrian Heath. The, the, thing, um, the thing about this group with all of the changes, all of the really chopping and changing for this group, uh, missing some games. What are they in fourth place? I think right now, right above the line, they'll host a game at this particular point and I, and I mentioned earlier, I think they can be one of the more dangerous teams in, uh, in this entire, uh, you know, playoffs moving forward here. Of course, with a single game knockout, anything can happen. I think they're as good as anyone, maybe a little bit lucky in MLS is back because I thought they were rolling a little bit in the competition. And then it was the Columbus they ran into and uh, get knocked out there, if I'm not mistaken. And, But they're really balanced side. They've got uh, two very good center backs that are what I I suppose you would call stay at home center backs, right? Guys that are really true center backs and understand their responsibility. I look at Nashville kind of the same way with two stay at home center backs and Zimmerman and uh, Romney, that type of relationship. And, and I think that they understand the role. Look, Adrian's been a, when I coached against Adrian, he was a four, two, three, one guy. And, and they play with the, you know, the two, the two wide guys tucked in a little bit Um, there's no secret to what he does. He just asks you to do what he wants done uh, at a high level. Right. And, and uh, but with that said, you know, and, and I, I joked with Adrian on air at the beginning of the season, I said, well, you know, when you say that this is the best team that you've ever had, that means there's some pressure now, right? Like you got to go win now. You got to, you got to, you know, you've got to be at the top all the time. And, you know, we joked about it a little bit, but I, I'm not surprised at all that they've been a team that's been really difficult to break down. And of course, home for Minnesota United or most teams is a little bit different this year. It would uh, you know, that great crowd that they have in Minnesota is not there. Although we, we kind of know they're always watching everything, Um, it's, they're going to be a a, a difficult out in a one game, uh, a one-off game, because I think they have all the tools uh, to beat just about anybody.
1: You talk about the, the league and you talked about the changes and the things that Minnesota United has been through and every club has just been about through something at this point. So looking at a broader perspective of MLS, if you had to look at this Eastern and Western Conference right now, who is playing their best soccer at this point in at in this point in the season?
2: Um, in the Western Conference, I mean, I still look at Gio. I, I mean, I I've, I played with Gio. Um, I coached against Giovanni Savarese. You saw his teams in in the NASL. When you get to this time of year, his teams always seem to be playing well. They always seem to be there in the end. Of course, what was it? Two years ago, I guess, they were in the finals against Atlanta, in Atlanta, end up losing there. I think that was his first year with the group. A little bit of a down year last year with some injuries, but they always seem to be playing well. Sporting is going to be an interesting one to watch. They've been at the top of the table were in and around the top of the table for the entire season. They started off so well, um, got a head head start on everybody point-wise. And then there was a little bit of a lull where defensively, they were getting broken down, uh, but they're always a tough out. Uh, Seattle, we know Seattle just – they just have the the weapons, right, to be good uh, in the Western Conference. And then, of course, LAFC um, for – for a team that's been sort of at the top right from the start. They've had sort of a roller coaster year in a lot of ways but still have the talent to attack with anyone in the in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia Union been outstanding. Uh my radio partner Brian Dunseth and I picked the Philadelphia Union at the beginning of the year to be the team to look out for because we thought that they could based on that, the years and years of building and the years of years of basically the same team and always adding one piece in or two pieces in, I think that's the easiest way to build a team. Unfortunately, most managers don't have that time in the league just to build one or two players. You know, you're, you're always forced to bring three or four in because there's so much pressure. Um, in the Eastern Conference as well, Toronto, you know, they, they've, They've got enough uh, in the tank. Columbus is going to be the interesting one because they started off so strong. They lost Zelayon for quite some time, and and now they've uh, was a Philly they beat this weekend, right? Philly had a chance to, to win a, a, a cup, and and but they've got Zelayon back, who's a very good player. There's some teams. I think if there's a surprise in here, I'm going to say in I'm going to say the New England Revolution, and we've been joking about this. They're really athletic side. Uh, there's one-off games, which means restarts, uh, you know, moments on a break, things like that. Yeah. As we know, can take you through the playoffs, but this is kind of Bruce arena time. You know, this is kind of as much as some of us, and it was my college coach. We hate to say it. You know, it's a, This is kind of the time that Bruce, Bruce and his teams grow and they, um, that they, they find ways to win games. um, and, you know, Orlando could be tricky as well, but if there's a surprise for me in this, uh, uh in this season, I, I think new England would be the surprise.
0: Wonderful stuff. Before we wrap things up here, Tony, let's use your goalkeeping expertise here, shall we? In your opinion, who's been the best goalkeeper in major league soccer this season?
2: Huh? That's, uh, I think Andre Blake has been outstanding, um, for them and an unfortunate injury. Stefan Fry um I think has had uh has had a great couple of years this year he's, he's been good again um Boy, I'm trying to think which guys. There's a whole bunch of guys after that 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 stand out. You guys in, in Minnesota, I mean, St. Clair, he's come in, and, and I don't know what the expectation was. Of course, they, they didn't expect him to be starting this year. Um, get sent out on loan, and now you get thrown in. Again, maybe a situation like Shuttleworth where you don't have a lot of time to think about it. You just kind of get thrown in and do it. But the one thing I, I've noticed about him is he's looked really, really confident. He's looked really confident in what he does. He's a confident kid. He was a confident kid in college. Um, He's done a really good job for them. Playoffs is a different creature, right? And and sometimes that's where some of the youth comes in, but I'd rather a guy uh, that, that, you know, we'll, we'll try and do the extra thing in goal because you can always scale it back a little bit. Um, but I, I think if I had to pick a goalkeeper of the year right now, it would be Andre Blake for me. And unfortunately he gets injured. Hopefully he's back on the field for Philly. Uh, but I, I think he's been outstanding.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for your company. Really, really appreciate the insights. My thanks as always to Kim D St. albin and to our producer, Morgan Lubin. Minnesota United up against Chicago Fire. Gargantuan game on Wednesday evening. Looking forward to your company. 7pm, Fox Sports North. See you then.